Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi guys, producer Ben here. Unfortunately, we experienced some technical issues with this week's episode, so we're using our backup audio this week so nobody has to miss out on Neil Cutler's incredible stories and insight. Normal audio will resume from our next episode on January 16th. Thank you all for the love and support on the pod so far, and enjoy the show. What a save from Mark Howard. Most prestigious, well-respected goalkeeper coaches in the country at the moment, Neil Cutler. Thank you very much. Pleased to have you in, mate. You look nervous. I'm not a massive fan of quizzes. No. He is Brad Pitt's character from Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> My passion was to get to the very top. I want to be the best at it. I saw Emmy, I saw his, his passion, his personality, gaining relationships and knowing them as people, as individuals, not just as footballers. Pepe Reina, uh, Robin Olsen. They have to be comfortable with what I'm telling them. He goes, oh, yeah, on Saturday morning, I kind of went out for a bike ride with my mates. <laughs> you played Man United? Yeah, I did. I got a bit carried away. I did 120k. And game time's coming. You, you, you're on the edge of arrogance. What a save from Mark Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard, and my mate, producer Ben. Today, we've got one of the country's most prestigious, well-respected goalkeeper coaches in the country at the moment, Neil Cutler. Thank you very much. Pleased to have you in, mate. Delighted to have you here. Obviously, Cuts has recently been working at Aston Villa, where he worked with the World Cup winner, Emmy Martinez, and we'll get on to that. Obviously, we've got loads of stories that we want to try and get out of you mm-hmm. before that. But uh, before that, can we rewind to when you started playing in goal? Obviously, you've had a, a very good career. You've played over 200 games and that, and you had to retire early, but... Do you remember that first moment that you, you put on a pair of gloves and was like, this is me? Uh, yeah, well, I wanted to be a centre-half first. I was a kid, like, and then obviously being a big boy, I got, I got shipped in goal quite early. And um, as, soon as, I, as soon as I did go in goal, I absolutely loved it. Like, loved it. I was only, like, probably 11 or 12 playing for the Cubs. And then I just loved throwing myself around. And from then on, it's just like, you know, that enjoyment. And once you feel that, that like, that feeling of, you know, I just want to do it. I just want. To, I just want to be a goalkeeper, and that's what you just have a different mindset. You want to be a bit different than everybody else. I used to love the trying to get hurt. You know, everyone like would flinch and go, "Oh!" Yeah. And I was like, "I love that bit of just yeah. bouncing back up and being that daft idiot." Exactly right. Exactly right. Like I said, from then on, I just absolutely loved it and tried to play as much and as often as I possibly could. Um, and then obviously you find yourself in the academies and the schoolboys and things like that, and, and things continued and progressed on that. You, you came through at West Brom then. Uh, obviously, it must have been quite a journey from Sunday League to then playing probably school football and yeah, it was different, different, bit different for me because I started at Wolves when I was like Wolves schoolboys and then kind of moved quickly from Wolves to West Brom, um, and then they sent me for trials at Lillishaw, the national school. So I ended up going there for two years, which was which is fantastic and unbelievable experience. Oh, that that Lillishaw program, the till of eight beans that rolled along the floor. Was you involved in that? Then? Nah. 
Yeah. What was, do you not know? Oh, that was yeah. uh, was it called the World uh, Feet with like? Uh, oh yeah, 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 I did see that was that was after me. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lily Shaw then obviously is kind of what clubs do now. Then they yeah. send their best players off to a certain school so they can get more hours of training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was brilliant. Like we'd, we'd you know, we'd have the mornings instead of going to school, we'd train in the mornings, some mornings, and then in the afternoons, as soon as we got back from school, we'd be training again. We had our jobs to do, so it was just like being a YT or, or a schoolboy. Um, but at the age of like 14, 15, it was a bit difficult in terms of, you know, you're leaving home early. Uh, at the age of 14, it's, it's 15, it's difficult. Uh, a lot of the lads were homesick, but some of the experiences, like some of the teams you played against, like the age of 15, playing against Germany and Berlin, the 60,000 people there, was like an unbelievable experience. Training with the best coaches, Paul Barron, uh, Eric Steele, People like that. Steve, Steve, yeah. Steve Grozovic came in. At that Kelly. time as well, there wouldn't have been many goalkeeper coaches that were full time at clubs. No, exactly. I don't think there was any. I think most of the time they'd be travelling around different clubs. Um, I know Steely was at the time. Um, so to get that level of detail, you know, that early was was fantastic. Um, like I say, some of the games that we played in, some of the experiences that we that we got, and some of the friendships we made. I'm still friends with them now. You know, like a real bond and a real togetherness. Right, excellent. Right, before we crack on with your your career and your professional career, uh, we're going to get straight into our quiz. I don't know if you've heard about it or seen it, but we play a game called Goalie or No Goalie, okay. where we're going to test your knowledge of international goalies. Okay. Right. So I've got ten names, uh, and five of them are current international goalies. Five are made up, fictitious names, or okay. actual people, actors, or something. <laughs> They're trying to catch you out. You've okay. got se- seven to beat. Seven. So seven to that current. Right. Okay. Right. Let's go. But I'm expecting your knowledge to be pretty good. Uh, listeners can head over to YouTube to check the leaderboard and also view Neil's performance uh, as we go on. Right, and it's one point for each correct answer. Right. Ready to start? Yeah. yeah look nervous. I'm not a massive fan of quizzes. No. <laughs> right, this will be good though. Right, number one, Rold Amundsen. He's not a goalie. He is not a goalie. He was the first person to reach North Pole. There you go. That's like one point to me. I think he's the same age as me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right, one point. Number two, Amen Darmen. I'm going goalie. He is a goalie. Tunisia and CS Sfaxen. Two out of two so far. There you go. Flying. Two lucky guesses, that. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, Paul Anderson. Goalie. Not a goalie. Mm. He's Arthur Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the names are in there to try and trick you. Exactly right. What a legend. Scandinavian goalie. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, Remco Pasvir. Goalie. He is a goalie. Holland and Ajax goalkeeper. There you go. Yeah, some of them you should definitely have heard of. Yes, I've heard of him. Yeah. Three out of four, starting very well. Number five, William Sykes. No goalie. He is not a goalie. He was the first person to invent a goalie glove. Really? Oh. Football ball manufacturer, he developed the first rubber pair of goalkeeper gloves. Wow. Every day is a school day. Yep, exactly. That. Always learning. Right, number six, Aldo Rain. He's a goalie. He's not a goalie. Mm. He is Brad Pitt's character from Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> There's some trick ones in there. That was a trick one. Uh, I listened to you on another podcast and you said that you'd love to have dinner with Brad Pitt. I would, yeah. I'd love yeah. to. What a guy. Based on some stories. What yeah. a guy. Yeah. <laughs> What's that now? Four out of six. Number seven, Geronimo Rulli. He's a goalie, yeah. He is a goalie. He was Emmy Martinez's backup. Yes, he was. I've yeah. watched him work, to be fair. Have you, yeah? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Did you manage to go over and watch any I did, of the yeah. I went to Miami a couple of months ago, the last trip before the World Cup. Yeah. Watched him train for a few days and um, had a few meetings with a goalie coach out there. Oh, amazing. Really good, really good. And like I said at the time, like they had a massive chance of winning it because the togetherness of the group was phenomenal. The way What they created... You know, like as a group was like nothing I've seen before. And they've got a little genius as well. Oh, that always helps. <laughs> that does definitely help. <laughs> right. Number eight, Calvin Broadus Jr. Calvin Broadus Jr. No. Not a goalie. He is Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Flying here. Absolutely flying. Absolutely. Never in doubt. Six out of eight. Brilliant. And you need one more to tie for the lead. Come on then. Number nine, Bernard Arnold. He's a goalie. He's not a goalie. He is the richest person in the world. Is he? At the current time of recording. <laughs> wow. He owns Moe, Louis Vuitton. Not bad. Yeah, he's doing all right for himself. Yeah, not bad. 
He's got a few billion, I reckon. <laughs> Hundred billion dollar man. Yeah, well, wow. Right. right, number ten. I hope I'm not here, Wall here. Andre Blake. He's going to be an American goalie, isn't he? I'm not going to say no. You're saying? I'm saying no. No goalie. He is a goalie. <laughs> Jamaica and Philadelphia Union. <sighs> oh, it's ended so badly. Yeah, Six out of ten. It's good going, though. I think that still puts you into second place. Oh, Tied in second. That one's done me at the end, isn't it? Yeah, the last two have thrown you. Absolutely thrown me. A billionaire and a Jamaican. Yeah. Oh, that's done me, that. Please, that could have been worse. Excellent. That was an excellent quiz, that. <laughs> right, so, as I said before, Cuts, you've played over 200 games in your career, a whole host of clubs up and down the country. Yeah. Uh, from West Brom, Aston Villa, Stoke, Stockport, Rotherham, and a, a few others. Promotion with Stoke... Probably the best highlight in your career at Wembley. Yeah, I always feel personally like I didn't achieve enough. I didn't do well enough. Um, and a big thing with me and what I've really taken into my work is the psychological work. I felt like I was good enough. Technically, tactically, I was good enough. Never really got any help psychologically. You know, like like I know that I would, that's what I needed massively as a goalie, you know, like, and it just wasn't the case. Nobody had that help, yeah. nobody had that work. And um, it was a big part of me, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get, I seemed to get any consistency into my game. Stoke was probably the big, the big time and the major time where I gained some kind of consistency. I played regularly, you know, I stayed away from injuries quite a bit and was able to get some kind of consistent uh, games under my belt. So, once I'd left um, Lillishall, playing with real good players with, you know, like best pitches, best grounds, going to West Brom then, it was kind of like I could have gone to like your Man United and your Arsenal's at the time, I was doing really well, so it was, it was one of them, but I thought, you know, I could break in to West Brom quite early, I'd get in around the first team, I was nowhere near ready. Nowhere near ready. I should have really have gone to a different. I should have gone Man United. I should have gone on Arsenal, where I could have developed a little bit slower. Obviously, it's easier said than done, and you know, hindsight's a fine thing. But um, I just felt like I'd gone to to men's football too quick. Right. Okay. You know, shoved into that. You know, you, you, in around the first team, nowhere near ready at that time. Like I got eaten up, massively eaten up, and I was nowhere near ready. Obviously, at that time as well, football was a whole lot different than it is now. Yeah, completely. And the mentality in the dressing room was a lot harsher back then. Yeah. Do you think that played a part? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. Um, I was nowhere. Like I said, I wasn't. I wasn't nowhere near ready for that. Whereas if I'd have gone, you know, a step at a time, gone into an academy kind of set up an academy kind of system, worked my way slower into the twenty threes, was reserves then, and then into the first team, it probably would have been different. But instead, I went straight to being a pro. And wasn't just wasn't ready, you know. I was stuck in between the youth team and the reserves, and I just I couldn't find. I didn't couldn't get any kind of consistency. I wasn't with the youth team. I wasn't really with the reserves, and I was kind of in a little bit of limbo. Yeah. I think that was a major reason why I ended up leaving West Brom in the end. You know, I just had to go and just find my way a little bit. It's hard when you leave a big club. Oh, obviously, I've had that as well. But you chase games, and you, yeah. you think, oh, I should go somewhere. I should play every week. And when you yeah. get that setback at such a young age, yeah. it's so hard to. Because you're living away from home, mentally you're, you're 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 not ready for that situation in your life yet. Exactly you need right. mothering still. And I think we we spoke about it earlier. Having it's totally different now, but having experienced people around you, experienced goalkeepers around you, that can help you through that and help you deal with that is vital, absolutely vital. Like I never had that. I found my own way. You know, I went up and down and around the houses a little bit until I went back up to back to Villa and then. Um, from Villa to Stoke, so kind of found my feet a little bit at Stoke, and like I say, got some games in them about. As I said as well, look, uh, in your early career, you moved around a few clubs, and that is that just from chasing games and trying to establish yourself or yeah, find that consistency? Like, found it really difficult. Like I say, found it difficult going, leaving Lillishaw, leaving playing really high standard to then being thrown into the men's game, and then I went uh, to Chester. Um, so, oh, Went on loan to Chester first, then signed permanently, and they had a goalie called Wayne Brown. Brown is a very, very good goalie as well. So we, me and him were like take it, kind of taking it in turns. So still didn't really find the rhythm. Yeah. Like Brownie did exceptionally well at Chester and played there for a long, long period of time. Um, so then I was lucky enough because Paul Barron, who was at Lillishaw with me, coaching me, um, was also the goalie coach at Villa at the time. So he 
took me to Villa and then I worked with Paul for a few years there. So that was that was a bit of luck, but also he understood what I was about and, and what I could bring. Uh, obviously, we said uh, your career was ended early for an injury at the age of 29. Yeah. Do you feel like you was coming into the best part of your career as well? Psychologically, definitely. Yeah. You know, and you must feel it now. Yeah, you know, like games become so much easier. You can you can manage games so much easier. You know, you're, you're ready for it. You know what you're doing. Starting positions, like mentally, just like ready to go. Um, but I just struggled, you know, like my back, I had injections to get through games, I'd be stiff in training. Um, and back in the day, we weren't doing yoga and pilates and stretching much, you know, just get, get going and get it done and, and get out. Um, so, yeah, so by the time I'd got to Rotherham, I was, I was pretty much like done. Yeah, because obviously at that time as well, even when I was coming through, it was all heavy lifting. It was Olympic yeah. weights. Yeah. How much can you put on your back and squat? Exactly right. And then I realised I was the same. I had a couple of back injuries back at Sheffield United where mm. I had a double impingement in my yeah. spine. And I was like, I need to come off this. This is yeah. actually the wrong thing that I need for my career. Mm. And since I came off that and I just focused more on core and cool, exactly that right. body weight stuff, it was yeah. like, oh, I felt a new person again. Yeah, calisthenics and, and your yoga and your pilates is huge and... We're probably going to talk about Emmy in a little bit, but Emmy's massive into his Pilates. He's got his own Pilates teacher that, that comes in. She's brilliant, Claire, fantastic. Um, but he's just like mad into it, like because he knows how much he needs it and how good it is for him. Yeah. You know, you can talk about all the tactical, the technical stuff, you know, the psychological stuff, but physically, if you're not right to go, and you'd be miles off it. Obviously, when the, your career did come to an end, then it was a back injury. What yeah. what was your your plan? Did you have any plans for after football? Had you had anything in place, or was it? Well, before before Rotherham, I was playing at Stockport, uh, and I was struggling at Stockport. To be honest, I'd gone from from Stoke, where I'd done really well, and they bought a few goalies in. They got promoted to we got promoted to the Championship, and I think they bought Mark Crossley in and a few others. And I was like, look, I just want to go and play. I'd been alone at, at Swansea. Um, and Swansea offered me something and Stockport offered me something and it was like, you know, which one do I go to? And Stockport was a bit closer to home so and they were having a bit of a go at the time to be fair. And it just didn't work out. And at the time I was thinking, I need I need something now and I've, how much like passion I've got for goalkeeping right at that, that age I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it to like to the full best. I'm gonna give it everything I've got. And even from then I was like, that's what I'm gonna do, that's what I'm heading into. And luckily, after I retired at Rotherham, Alan Nill had left. He was the manager and he'd left Rotherham and gone to Bury. So I went in part-time to Bury doing some coaching. I was doing uh, Wolves Academy um, at, the, at the night time. I was going to Hereford a little bit, so I was travelling all wow, around yeah. a little bit. And luckily, Hereford offered me full-time and Bury offered me full-time, so I ended up going to Bury with Nilly and kind of followed him around from there. But I think you need that little bit of luck, you know, just to getting somewhere to, to go straight from playing to full-time coaching I, like you do need a little bit of luck yeah you talk about that love then of the game of goalkeeping yeah was that obviously going into coaching you just want to pass on that knowledge you've worked with some really good goalkeeper coaches in the yeah. past that we've talked about I think like yourself like and like we spoke about it's like you've got all these experiences by that by that time I'd actually played at every single level non-league all the way up to the Premier League and I've been around that for a long time like and work with some really, really top goalkeeping coaches over the years. And just, I kind of gained my own philosophy from that, a bit of everybody and my own beliefs, yeah. my own knowledge. And I was just really passionate. And when I, my passion was to get to the very top, I want to be the best at it. I'm not just going to, you know, mess about. I want to, I want to get to the very, very top. And, you know, I just, I just gained that passion. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, you've got a great reputation in the game. All the other goalkeepers that I speak to that have worked with you in the past absolutely love your sessions and stuff like that. So, obviously, that's credit to, to how you put on a session and how you structure your weeks. I think it's about um, it's not just you know coming in and putting a session on. It's about creating an environment where they come in every day. They don't they don't just come in and tick a box. You know that they're going to come in every single day and get something from the session. They're going to learn every single day. Um, not only that, they've got to enjoy it. The sessions have to be enjoyable, else they're not gonna they're not gonna buy into it. They're not gonna enjoy it, and they're just gonna go out and disappear and not learn anything. So, it, it, it has to be a competitive environment where we're all competing against each other. It has to be an environment where they're definitely learning, no matter what, and it has to be an environment where you know they're enjoying. There have to there has to be an enjoyment element. 
Um, and that, in a nutshell, is it. You've got, you have to work in detail. If a goalkeeper comes in and you know how it is, if you, if you know you're coming to training and you know you're going to learn something, and it's not the same session as it did yesterday and the day before, you know, that you know the goalkeeper coach has thought about what he's doing, you know, he's put detail into it and he cares. You know, yeah. he cares not only about the session itself, but you as an individual. I think I think relationships are huge, like uh, gaining relationships and knowing them as people, as individuals, not just as footballers, is massive. Yeah, and that, that's the biggest thing, is that personal touch of getting the best out of each person, because we're so different as goalkeepers. So different. Obviously, and we're all different age groups, we've got different abilities and yeah. different fundamentals to our, our physiques and everything, right. and to it's, juggle all of that. Exactly right, but it's about, it's teamwork. So for me, it's about me not just saying to you, right, that's what you're going to do, Right, um, you're going to do it now. I, I'm more. I'm more of this. These are my plans. What are your thoughts? You know, yeah. because you might say I'm not sure about that, and I'll go. Well, these are my thoughts. These are my ideas. This is what I'm thinking. Let's try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it because it's you that has to do it. Even the likes of Pepe Reina, uh, Robin Olsen, they have to be comfortable with what I'm telling them. But yeah. they've always been open to 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 keep. They have to. Get the right people, basically, that still want to learn, that still want to get better, that still want to improve. You know, else you know, there's no point in coming in because I'm not that type of person that can just go tick a box, go home. But that's one of the biggest things. That even now, I do it myself. I try and drum up a training session, try to make it fun. Yeah. The more that I'm having fun, the more that I'll get out of it because exactly. I want to train more and I want to train harder and I want to stay out there. Yeah, but it has to be detailed in that. So you can't, like, I've never been somebody who just goes, right, okay, goalie wars you know like yeah. I'm just not that person you know if we're doing goalie wars there's got to be a theme behind it what we're working on within it you know it's like I'm, I'm, I'm big into you know getting real detail out. I'm big into creating neurological patterns where you do this every single day to create the patterns yeah. so it becomes subconscious rather than conscious it's just like muscle memory muscle memory it has to be that way because then when you get into the game you don't have to think about it it just happens well that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed in my own career as I get older that muscle memory is just natural now. Mm-hmm. There is the thought process behind reading a through ball or yeah. behind reading crossing it. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, I see it quicker. And everyone's like, oh, you're just in the right place or you've organised that well enough that you've not had to make a save. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but that's just experience. Exactly right. But you'll also step out of your comfort zone because you are experienced. So you'll sit in a position that's a little bit higher and it'll be more dominant. So you'll create and protect the space better. Mm-hmm because you're more confident in what you've done and what you've done over the years, and that's why you have to instill, install that in the kids as well. Come out of your comfort zone, don't worry about you know, making mistakes, stay high. That one step out of your comfort zone is huge, you know, protecting the space. Uh, obviously, we came across each other at Walsall then. Uh, from there, you had Neil Etheridge, that yeah. I think he went on to get goalkeeper of the season that year. Yeah, I, did, yeah. Uh, I, rem- I remember him just being an absolute beast at coming for crosses, and his spring was probably, at that time, one of the first I'd seen in League One. Mm-hmm. Is that something that he was natural or is it you developed working together? You was like, right, this is how we can make the most of what you've got. Yeah, I think he's always, obviously, that's an athletic trait that is always going to be powerful and quick. I think the thing with, with others was that the different was creating like consistency in his work. You know, how, how do we make you more consistent and working on the details of consistency, whether it be starting position in relation to the ball or triggers that he was creating before the ball was hit. You know, just developing that consistency and, and him understanding, you know, his progressions. Um, once you get that consistency and once they buy into your work and then everything starts to come together, then you get the enjoyment and then you get that real, like, confidence and dominance. And that's where, where it starts to work. And it kind of worked with Richard O'Donnell before that as well. Yep. Um, but also, like I said, about relationships, you know, once they understand the relationship that you're going to make them better and they buy into it, then it just all comes together nicely and it's that's what kind of it's been over the years. But like I say, it's all about the relationship. It's all about me and you, you know, I'm there for you. No matter what, we're going to make you better. I'm going to do everything it possibly takes to make you better in, a, in an enjoyable, comfortable way. Uh, talking of relationships then, you went on to West Brom to then work with Fozzie. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell, tell by the yeah. smile on your face that you've got a, a warm spot for him. Yeah, heart. what a guy. Like, him and, and Boas Maio like incredible people. Like, incredible people and that's what I'm talking about with relationships you know and they were both well into their 30s and obviously they they were a big big part of me coming in from Warsaw to West Brom I think um they were one of the reasons why you know I, I actually made that step uh, even though they knew the way I worked and how I am in terms of my 
agility speed power work you know they, they had worked differently to that over the years before during the years before so um and again that's why when you go into a new club and you, you can't just say you're doing this yeah. you get to know them as people and you understand them how they work and I'm not just going to go into the Premier League and go to Ben Foster who's been a top goalkeeper over the years and go no you need to do this now yeah I'm changing what I'm you going do. to change everything you possibly do you just make little things you know create like his starting position for, for his dominance and and how he, he likes to come for crosses we just change that slightly you just change his hand positions his triggers slightly and you just just moving little things, you know. You don't need to go in and go, right, here I am. I'm going to change all this. I'm going to change that. You don't do that with these top, top goalkeepers. You yeah. just adjust them slightly and exactly the same with Bars. I think that's the difference of working with the top goalkeepers and you, from where you work with kids. Is yeah. Kids, you're trying to put those fundamentals in place so that yeah. later on in their career, they've got those things. But when you're working with an experienced pro or mm-hmm. a Premier League goalkeeper, mm-hmm. they know what they're good at yeah. and you've just got to make them more efficient. And consistent. That's why Ben Ben Foss has been consistent for, for many 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 years. years yeah. You don't need to change, and he is right. And he'll say it himself. He's not a great trainer. Like, he doesn't enjoy training. Well, he, before obviously he's retired now, but he just loves playing the game. Like, yeah. If you've got a goalkeeper like yourself, love just loves playing the game. You want to win. It's like you know he's going to go out there and just love playing. He's going to be confident. He's well, that's one of the things that I've noticed about myself. Even now, I still love training. And there's shooting drills after training. I want to join in. Yeah. And then I, I've got the physios now coming to me saying, do a bit less. Can you not do as many dives today? And I'm like, no, no, I want to do more. Want to do, it, yeah. want to do more. Mentally, you probably yeah. feel like you have to do that. Yeah. Ben, didn't, ben could not train all week, just playing on a Saturday, and still be the best player. Yeah. We actually had a game. We were playing Man United away on a... I think it was a Sunday, but we were meeting up on the Saturday afternoon and we'd had the morning off, meeting up on the Saturday afternoon, training and travelling, get to get to obviously to the hotel, uh, have a sleep, get in the morning, play Man United away. Ben's the best player. We beat him 1-0, he's man of the match, he's unbelievable, he's brilliant. Monday morning doing a warm down, I'll come down and Boas and Ben are talking together and I'm laughing a giggle and I'm a bit paranoid, what are you laughing at? Like... He goes, oh, uh, yeah, on Saturday morning, I, I kind of went out for a bike ride with my mates. <laughs> you played Man United? Yeah, I, did, I got a bit carried away and did 120k. What? I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he does, it's like, doesn't affect him. He's yeah. like, even though he's playing Man United away the next day, right, he does 120k on his bike. Like, and it's just like, shows we're all big kids still, though. He just, like, he just, he, just nothing affects him. You just go and play like it's nothing. Like, and it's, it's just, just like a pleasure to be around. Like, yeah. I bet the, the obviously the banter that you had between the three of you, yeah, training but, sessions must have been brilliant. a riot. Yeah, just like, just like, and you need them kind of characters around. You need to create that kind. Of, I keep talking about creating environments and atmospheres, and you've got to be able to to create an environment where they feel at ease. You know, they feel happy, and they, you know that that's where they're going to be at the best. Right. Before we get on to Aston Villa, uh, can we talk goalkeeper gloves? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Matt Smith and this is the Glove Review on the Yours Mine Away podcast. So I've got a few questions. What gloves did you wear when you played? Um, I wore cells to be fair. I wore cells over the years. They were fantastic to me and um, I I was always comfortable wearing cells. When I I first started, I'd wear your sport. Um, I wore your sport until I was about 20, 21 and then cells, you sorted me out with, with cells. So yeah. Was the, was um, and what did you look for in a glove? 
just right. comfort really just comfort you know was, for me as well it was the, the, the wrist strap I was always forever playing with it you know like I needed it to be strong and tight I even strap it sometimes I just yeah. had to, everything had to be nice and tight so I always like the wrist strap was a big thing for me um, just the comfort and the, uh, and the grip they were always the best grip uh, and now obviously coaching and that are you yeah. a, a coach that wears gloves or no gloves I wear gloves and I get a bit of stick because I wear white boots and white gloves so nice. I get a bit of stick for that but I just feel comfortable doing it. It's like I'm not trying to be anything different. I just feel, com- I can't wear black boots. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Like I say, I'm not trying to be different doing that or a bit big time. I'm, I just can't wear black boots. Yeah. I just enjoy wearing playing. white boots. That's all yeah, I, I just yeah. feel like more, more comfortable wearing white boots. Um, yeah, and just uh, two-toe gloves, two-toes, side-up and two-toes really looked after me over the years, you know, like since I retired. Um and I've just found those gloves really comfortable and like it really looks after me. So again, it's not, it doesn't have to be all about the, the feel and the grip when you get into coaching. It's a personal touch. It's just a bit of personal touch. Being a coach, it's like they, they've, they've really looked after me and my son as well, he plays for Wolves in the 14s and they look after him. Just little nice touches and he's, he's, he's a great guy and he'll do anything for me. So Obviously gloves have changed a lot over the years then. Uh, they've gone a lot thinner, a lot more streamlined than that. It yeah. seems bizarre at points to me to, to what you can get out of a pair of gloves. Yeah, um, exactly right. The thinner I would be able to wear thin gloves. Yeah. But when I was playing, there's no way else you'd like to wear those really, I think that I think Tuto do a real tight one, a real thin one and that's I would be able to do that, mate. Uh, no chance. Is there anything that you actually do look for? You're a flat palm roll finger. I'm a roll finger. I've always been a roll finger. Yeah. Always been you know, that feel around your hand, like like I like it tight around around my fingers and around my hands. So I always wore a roll finger. Always. What a lot of our listeners have been shocked by is the size of difference in size of people's gloves. Yeah. Um, what size gloves did you wear? I was a ten. 10, yeah. 10 gloves, 10 boots. 10 gloves, 10 everyone's boots. Everyone's the same. Yeah. Uh, there's always, it's normally, everyone's a size 10 football boots and yeah. then the glove size always varies. But yeah, yeah I'm a 10 and a half boot and I'm an 11 glove. But yeah. I like my gloves to be big. Jens Lehmann used to walk around practicing with his fingers wide and he'd wear gloves two sizes too big so yeah. that people just looked at his hands and went, he'll, he'll save that. Mm-hmm. And it was like a psychological but thing. So I got used to huge mentally like yeah. I was like right well my hands need to be as big as possible mm-hmm. and look bigger yeah and when like I don't think we spoke about but with Evan Martinez it's like I always wanted him to wear white white boots white gloves because of how he looked on the pitch you know he looked more imposing which is a bit weird because it's just your gloves and your boots but it did you know like looked more imposing on the pitch with that colour with white and white yeah. when he went to orange just didn't look right and I had to you know, we had a little word about it. You know, I want you to be as imposing as, a pos- as you possibly can be. You know, we talk about presence. We talk about confidence. You've got to look, you know, like you're, like you're the part. You know? if, you, if you feel like you look the part, you'll play the part. Exactly right. right. And you'll play up to that. Yeah. But he's not, he just never was really that concerned about it. He's the type of player that just go out. It doesn't really matter. And like Adidas change their boots and gloves every two or three months. So it's, it's one of the, they have to get used to it, I suppose. And get used to it pretty quick. Um, but I just felt you looked more imposing in white and actually kept more clean sheets in white. See, uh, goalkeeper coaches typically tell goalkeepers, especially when they're coming through the young academy ones, that they have to wear like white gloves and black boots. It's it's like we're, we're taking away a bit of their personality. If they want to express express themselves, if they want to celebrate saves, it comes under that same category of let them be who they are. Exactly. And that's the big thing that I've worked with Emmy over the last three years is, is playing personality. And I work on it so much with all the goalies, you know, coming through, especially the young ones. Go into the environment with a playing personality, play with confidence, play with reassurance, play with, you know, be bright in everything you do, play with a with a real character, you know, don't go within yourself. And Emmy was a prime example of that, where he'd go onto the pitch and his personality wouldn't come out. He'd just be quite, you know, quite dull. Well, that's not you. That's not your personality. Go and show people what you're about because his, his desire and his, his character is all, you know, it's like, He'll do anything to keep the ball out on there. You know, like his training, his spot on, everything he does is outstanding. Show people how passionate you are on the pitch. You know, don't let it, don't concede a goal and go in yourself. Show everybody what you do. And he's done that so much better over the last year. Is that something you've developed there? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like he's, he's playing character, he's, he's playing personality now is is the best like I've known. And it's helped him. See, what I've worked on with him is being confident to the point of arrogance. That's when I know he's bubbling at his best. When he's when he's not, when he's quiet, he's miles off it. Yeah. When he's bubbling on that, when he's bubbling on arrogance, not over it. Yeah. 
sometimes he will and we have to bring him back down again. But when he's bubbling on that, you know, he's bordering arrogance, he's confident to the point of arrogance, that's when he's like, we, and that's what we always worked at. It's like, you know, make sure when, when game time's coming, you, you, you're on the edge of arrogance, yeah. you know, that's the way you're at your best, that's how he's bubbling at the best. So obviously, when you moved to Aston Villa, uh, how much uh, involvement did you have in his recruitment? Yeah, big. Um, because when you go to a club that size, you've got a massive scouting department that all of us say, and rightly so. You know, they've got all they've got statistic department, you've got people in the background that go right. These stats, these are the best goalies on this on these stats, most clean sheets, you know, most saves percentage, uh, distribution percentage. And it's easy to go, right, we'll have him then because everything hits the top. You look at him, he's like erratic and he's like, he's moving around the goal and you're like, no, that's just not me. That's not me. I saw Emmy, I saw his, his passion, his personality and not just that. He's got like a South American style in terms of he's quick, he's athletic, he's agile, he's powerful. But he's also got like um, an English shape. So he holds his shape for long amounts of time. He's got very few triggers, transfers his body weight really quickly. So like... That that mix of South American and English is the, it's a perfect style for me and how I work, you know. And, and all I needed to do was guide him in the right direction, is make him more consistent, is to and help him in terms of, you know, he's like a thirty-year-old, twenty-two-year-old because he's not played the game, not played the game enough at the highest level, hadn't played in the first team of Argentina, um, hadn't played many uh, Premier League games, played few cup games for he Arsenal. Played, he played the season before he signed for Aston Villa. I think he only played about eight or ten games, but did really well at the back end of that yeah, season. The remember. FA Cup, that was the, it. The Charity Shield. But I could see as well the passion. And when I spoke to him on the phone on numerous occasions, it was the passion. It was like, I want to be this. And as soon as he came through the door, we gave him targets that he put on his, uh, in his locker and he smashed all those targets. Like his desire to improve was the best I've ever known. Like, and... Um, Fair play to him. You know, quite a few people have rang me up and, and give me credit, but all the credit goes to, to him, his desire, his detail. It's the best, the best I've ever known. What are, what sort of targets are we talking? Clean sheets? Are we talking about how to physically improve? Or yeah, loads of different things. Penalties, like clean sheets, pass percentage, cross percentage, win percentage, like all these little things that went in. But you know, Argentina's number one. Winning the Copa America. Wow, as detailed as, as detailed as that. Like you had to get into Argentina's first team, you had to win the Copa America. Like everything is geared with Emmy to basically be the not be the best in the world, but also be Argentina's number one. And everything revolves around Argentina because all the South Americans, especially Argentinians, so are like that. Their passion is huge. Like it's massive. They just want to win for Argentina. It's like it's be all and end all. And, and and seeing Argentina as a group, I was like, you know, that you can, you can clearly see they've created this kind of, they're on this journey of, you know, they're going to, they're together and they're going to win. Like there's music playing, they're dancing, they're singing, and it's like some, some, so seeing him win the Copa America then, but then obviously it's a total different level winning the World Cup. You must yeah. have had it, it was like, it's like your little kid doing, like your, your children doing something amazing. Yeah. Strange, really, because. We've worked so hard to get him to that level, and for me to not then be his coach at that time, he had done that was a little bit like, you know, I missed out on something. I'd missed out on that final pinnacle, that last little bit that we'd worked towards. So it was a bit, a bit bittersweet. It was a bit like massive relief because I knew how relieved he would be, and I knew how happy he'd be, and relief that he'd actually achieved it. And I was a part, maybe a small part of, but I was a part of it. Um, but also that kind of feeling where you know I. I'm not actually his coach anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm not his That's coach. That's the nature of football. That's the nature of football. It's exactly how it is. That's how it works, you know. And, um, he did FaceTime you though, didn't he? Straight after the game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just an unbelievable guy, you know. Like, yeah. he obviously was on the pitch for for a while afterwards and then he found a quiet space and, and rang me and, you know, like, we just had a quick chat. I didn't want to keep him too long, so I just... Was talking about the game and talking about um, some of his celebrations. <laughs> so, but and his match-winning save, match-winning save. You know, it's incredible. The save. Said he's like, he's like, oh, I don't know how I saved it. And I'm like, I broke it down for him and said, this is like, yeah, months and months of hard work. You know, you've not rotated, you've not fall back, you've not dived out of the way. You've held for a long amount of time. You know, you've waited and waited, and all that work on, you know, the the, 
me smashing balls at him, just holding his shape, you know, not triggering, not falling back, just waking and trusting his ability to see the ball that quick and react to yeah. it. And that, it, and it's like that. That is months of hard work. The, the size of his spread is what obviously makes the save. And yeah, but also like he's only been able to spread because he's waited so long yeah. and trusted that the that the players have nowhere to go. You know, you're not, and he's, it's not just that. It's his his belief system. He's like, you're not beating me. I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold. I'm not going to guess. I'm going to react. And that's the big thing. You know, we we'll work a lot on not guessing, just reacting. Because if if you're not falling back, you're not sweeping. You're not diving out of the way. Just stand and react and trust your reactions will, will get to the ball, you know. And if you keep doing it enough, 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 your hand will just automatically move to where your foot will move to where the ball is anyway. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you went on to, to, to do well, quite well in the penalty shootouts as well. Yeah. Like you said, you, you've worked on that before. Is that not just alone working on penalties, but the, the detail of analysis that you look into? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've worked before on... Um, and to be fair, Martin, the, the, the Argentinian goalkeeper coach, I went to Miami out there to have a few uh, meetings with him and we spoke about penalties quite a bit because a lot of goalies will have a step forward yes. to transition sidewards. You know, we spoke about that, you know, why, why are you having that initial step forward when you want to dive sidewards? Do you know what I mean? It's like, don't, you need to step, you know, it's got to be a slight forward step, but not too forward where you can't get all your power onto your leading leg. Yep. And you've got to get from here to there as quickly as you possibly can because when you're playing at that, that level, you know the, pay, the pace of the ball is going to beat you unless you know you get that, that step and you go and it's just covering um, covering that side as quickly as you possibly can with power. But like I say, if that step's too far forward, you're never going to be able to transfer your body weight coming to your leading leg with enough, yeah. with, enough with, with enough speed and power. But when I dive for penalties, I try and dive to touch the post because I'm like, if I can cover that full distance, Pass the post if you can, because yeah, you're exactly not right. What you'll see is goalkeepers can't catch penalties unless yeah. it's a really poor taken penalty. Yeah. So we are diving to really explode past that post or like to, to get to that area because and I think it, it, most penalties hit you now. Yeah, and I think the first, I think it was the first penalty Mbappe's penalty where he kind of waited a little bit. And when I was watching, I'm like, don't wait, yeah. adjust, but don't wait. He kind of like kind of waited. I'm like, go through the ball, go past the ball, and it's like you know, it's it's not. It's not trying to see where the ball goes. You just go from there to there and just from that. Yeah. And that's your, your natural reactions take over that you'll move your top hand slightly or your bottom exactly hand right. flick it around. You naturally post. do that without yeah. thinking. You that's, don't have to think about that because that's a natural reaction. So is that obviously we talked about video analysis there briefly. How much of that do you do you do with your, your players? How much do you structure your week? Yeah, a lot a lot of uh, video analysis like um, it's good, like when you work at a club like Aston Villa, you've got three different cameras all around your area, so you're like, you know, you can give them straight after training, they've got it, you know, it's clipped, it's ready to go. But I like to, I like for them to go away and do a little bit of homework, you know, like give me 10 clips in the morning, come to me, and I want to discuss exactly, you know, where you think you went wrong, where you, what you think you did well. And it's just so good to look, watch everything back, you know, you can tell them that when they see it and they can actually break it down, not only break it down, they can explain to you in detail exactly. What their thoughts are. Then again, it's the discussion. You know, my discussion, their discussion, and you move forward from there. But loads and loads of clips, video clips. You know, like even with Emmy, you know, loads, send him lots and lots of clips. You know, this is what I think. And he doesn't have to. When you get to that level, and, it, and, and it's Emmy Martinez, I give him the option. Right, I'll send you these clips. Look at them if you want to. Reply to them if you want to. But they're there for you. We can always work on it in training the next day anyway. So it's like, and. Emmy being Emmy will look at them and he'll come back to me and it's a discussion again. It's not always it's not always a plain sailing discussion where he agrees, which I think is a brilliant relationship. Brilliant, yeah. We've had heated discussions in the past where he goes, no, that's not right. I don't think that's right. I go, right, okay, well I think this and look at this and this is my findings from that. This is where I think we you know we need to we need to change it, we need to be better. And there's been times where he doesn't agree, and that's the best thing about it, because you have to have that relationship where you go, that's fine. But that's how you learn as a coach and he learns as a goalkeeper exactly is right. by having that conflict mm -hmm. and saying, well, I like to do it this way. And, and you'll yeah. say, could you do it this way to make yourself do this? And yeah. that, that arguing point is so good for educating both of you. Exactly right. I think there's a big grey area between foot save and hand save. And we've had, I've had so many discussions with a lot of goalkeepers over the years on, especially on the angle, is it a foot save, is it a hand save? And then the, the, the trigger sweep which comes from that which means you can't get anything through the back of the ball so I work a lot on hand positions in relation to ball distance and, and the detail of that 
And sometimes you, you, there's going to be that grey area where you go, no, it's a foot save. And I say, no, I think it's a hand save because you've swept and the ball's gone through you. Yeah. And, you know, there'll always be that. And it, I think it's I think it's a, a really good thing to have. How much do you prepare then for opposition that are, you're going to play? Like, how, how far in advance are you looking at the opposition and going, they score a lot of goals from distance, we'll work on that. Or they, yeah. they do a lot of cut, cutbacks and we need yeah. to work on reactions this week. 100% I'll go into as much detail as possible without overstepping the mark. Obviously, again, there's that relationship with the goalie where he says, I don't want them. Yeah. Ben Foster was like, nothing. I don't want nothing. I don't want you to fill my head with anything. just want to go and play. And he wanted all the details, wanted everything. So normally at the beginning of the week, we'd put right what we thought we'd done wrong from the weekend. We'd work hard on the detail. But you're still working on putting that right as you're heading in towards the next game. Yep. You know, we're still working the detail of how we're improving. But it might also, you know, include what the opposition are going to do. We'll have a threat meeting. We did have a threat meeting <laughs> on a Thursday where we'd go, okay, uh, the analysts would be in, all the goalkeepers would be in. This is exactly what they do. This is what we're expecting from the lineup. These are all their threats. This is what they're good at. This is why, you know, they might step in two inverted wingers, are going to come in off the side and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. Then we'd work on it, and exactly like creating pictures and creating pictures, but not only that, we're still working on what they've done wrong from the weekend, yeah. plus all the detail of hand-eye coordination, hand positions, everything that we still feel needs to be that daily work, you know, the daily vitamins that's going into, you know, getting ready for the game. On the you, you say that obviously Ben Foster didn't like doing that, but yeah. would you sneak that into his training sessions yeah, without definitely. him knowing it? So yeah. subconsciously you're... You're working on that without yeah. him realizing that that's what the opposition will do. Definitely, yeah. So that would all be that would all be encompassed into the into the session. That's the way I, I like to work. That like as we build towards a Saturday, that happens. But I'm always on a Thursday. Say right, I've been watching their clips. This is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Can we do that today or develop the session that you've got into this? Yeah. So that I know that like like we were saying, muscle memory is there. Yeah. Exactly. And then on a Friday, I just go back to, I like doing like a really simple match day warm up, but built up a bit more. Yeah. So that I know that like mentally, I've got my handling in, I've done a bit of kicking, a bit of crossing. I'm back to the old school, the, the English mentality of like, I'll oh, keep a quiet goal tomorrow if I do all of these fundamentals correct. Get them right, yeah. Get all the detail in. Um, and it was a, a little bit different, you know, he'd like to tick a lot of boxes the day before a game where you have to calm him down a little bit and say, you know, we've done enough here. Plus, you know, like you try and get a lot into a short amount of time because you have meetings before training, you know, all these meetings and then they'd want you quite quickly the day before a game. So you're like, right, okay, Emmy, we're going to, have to do this, this, this. I need to do it. I need to do it. Right, okay, right. Also, I'd make sure we do a lot of like um, passing games, two touches, you know, like getting that enjoyment first, you know, a little yep. passing stuff, loads of competitive. Like most days, there'd be a competitive game. You know, where it'd be fun, but it'd be competitive. There'd be a fine on it. You know, multi-millionaires, I think, start having some money. You know, it's like... But it created that competitive environment. The kids would be involved to the point where they would do anything not to lose. Yeah. And that's what I needed the kids to understand. You know, if you're going to lose, you're going to you're gonna have to fetch us our lunch or, yep. you know, there's going to be something on it. So stop losing no matter what it takes. Like, no matter what it takes, do not lose. And it would come to the stage where they stop losing because they do anything it takes whether it be stitch me up which I think I'd lose my head but I think it's brilliant yeah. I'm the weak link stitch me up yeah. I don't care but you're not losing so it's, it's the best like the best thing you could possibly create competitive games where they're finding ways of not losing well know? that environment breeds a better goalkeeper exactly. for all of them yeah it's fun but it's like I'm not losing yeah. so in the morning I'll be like are you losing today are you going to like oh, what are you going to do like and they do anything anything like it's not oh, I'm, I'm a, like we said before, a little bit old school. I've got that like, verbal Tourette. So if I see like someone do the first dive in the morning, I'll shout like first dive, yeah. and I'll be buzzing off it. And everyone's like looking at me, going, "Why on earth would you do that?" Or, yeah. Even like two touch, and uh, I'm like uh, buzzing when people get stitched up. And yeah. I'm exactly always that right. first one that like our oh, first drop of the morning. I always like. I think it's just a verbal tick that I've got. If I yeah. see someone else drop, oh, I was like, oh, first drop. Yeah. And I can't help <laughs> it. But then I think exactly. that, that then the next day they'll go, you said that to me. I shouldn't yeah. have said that to me. And then they do it back to me. And I'm like, yes, I've got that reaction. And but that drives me. Create games where you like you measure how many times somebody drops it. Yeah. It's like, who's going who's gonna to drop the most today? It's like, not who's going to worse that. that was the first one I, I went and I worked with him at Cardiff. Yeah. I used to do a game on a Friday called 100. And it would be 100 different 
serves on different angles. Yeah. And like we had Neil Alexander at the time who had the best handling yeah, I've ever yeah, seen yeah, in a very good, yeah. And he'd, he'd walk off with 100 every time. And yeah. I was like getting like 97. Panicking. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I can't get to 100. I can't yeah. win. Yeah. So yeah, I was getting panicky, but I was only yeah. young at the time. But now yeah. like, on the flip of that, I'd love that sort of stuff. Yeah. Even like the worst server has to do all the boots. So yes. even if it's Emmy, he's got, he's got to clean all our boots. You know, it's like, and that keeps that even though it's fun, but it's competitive, and you know you can't lose, you know, you have, your standards have to be high, and you get to the point where you don't have to drive the standards because the standards are every day, you know, like they're coming out early, they're, they're getting back in later, they're just driving standards, and that's what you need to be creating. Do you also have to rein him in a bit, though? Emmy was the worst ever, like, and like I said before, because he's new to be playing every week in the Premier League, you know, like, he just wants to stay out there, you know, he's buzzing and, like, it takes little niggles for him to actually realise, you know, like... That's enough. You can tell him, go, right, that's enough. No, no, one more, one more. And that's just his nature, you know. He wants to he wants to keep doing it, you know, and especially because he's he's doing so well. But it takes, like, a little niggle or a little calf or something where he goes, oh, I'm a bit sore. You're like, it's because you've been out there an extra half an hour, 45 minutes. When are you going to learn? When's it going to sink in? And I think now he's starting to get more experience. He's going, right, OK, now I need to do actually... He's right... You know, I need to be start going in, and he's starting to go in a little bit earlier, manage himself a little bit better, um, because the way he manages himself in every other part of his game is perfect, like ridiculous. Um, so he just needs to, you know, understand where he's at with his little niggles, and he has little problems with his knees, and you know, he's not going to play forever. He yeah. needs to look after himself. Right. Uh, as a as a goalkeeper, you've played at nearly every level. As a goalkeeper, you've coached at nearly every level. Uh, everyone always asks every goalkeeper I need tips for young goalkeepers and I find it sometimes the hardest thing to yeah. answer apart from just enjoy it just if you enjoy what you do you'll get the most out of it yeah right but obviously there'll be certain tips that you should you can advise people on to take the right steps to help them develop over time mm-hmm. what what sort of things do you enjoyment's the big thing but it's also the the detail of the shape as well gain a basic shape you know work on Work on your triggers. Try and gain. Watch videos. Watch the best goalies in the world. Watch how they work. Watch how they move. Best goalies are athletic. They're agile. They're powerful. Now, what's it? What? Just be a scholar of the game. You know, it's not just going to happen. You're not going to be just brilliant. It takes hours of hard work, dedication, desire. You know, and the thing that helped me in terms of where where I got to and being a coach in the Premier League is that I'm a scholar of the game. I love the position. You know, I watch. YouTube for hours, you know, I'll watch goalies all over the world and watch how they move and, and the actual detail of their movement and how they transfer, the biomechanics of how they transfer um, is, is big, you know. So, A, you have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy your position because if psychologically you don't enjoy playing in goal, do, do not do it. Yeah. Do not do it. It's a battle. It's a battle and you want to be doing something you enjoy. But also, if you're going to do it, do it with detail. Watch watch how they move, watch how these top, top goalkeepers work. Um, I was lucky enough to work with a, a sports scientist called John Whitney, yes. who's now a physio at Villa, one of, one of the physios in the first team. And his detail on biomechanics and movement is, was the best ever. And I was lucky enough to, for, to get all his knowledge and experience and put it into goalkeeping, you know, like how the best, most efficient way of transferring your body weight. Um, and he was he was a big influence on me, and I was lucky, really lucky to work with him. I always say to the young ones as well to try and model themselves when they're young on a certain goalkeeper that they yeah. enjoy watching, because then the more traits that you can pick up off the top level goalkeeper, yeah. or someone that physically matches your build. So if you're a small goalkeeper, watch Hugo Lloris and yeah, speed exactly across right. the goal. But if you're a massive goalie, if you're going to be six foot six, six foot seven, watch Fraser Foster. Just watch yeah. how he blocks the ball, yeah, exactly right. because it's an art in itself. And you'll get the most out of what you've got as your tools and your armoury from just learning off other people. Learning from watching, exactly right. That, that is the key. You know, if you want it, it's not just going to happen. If you want to be, you know, like you want to want to play the game at any level, got to learn. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing, you know. It's not just going to turn up and play and be really, really good. You know, you've got to find a way. Uh, as we've said then, you're currently out of work. What What's next for Neil Cutler? Uh, I've really enjoyed... Um, the break so far, first time ever I've been first Christmas off. First Christmas off. I've never been out of work, but also when you do, when you do come off that treadmill a little bit, you go, "Oh my god, I needed that." Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because the roller coaster of football, and like I said before, I'm so passionate about about winning games and and developing goalkeepers and them as people. My my anxiety levels are like 
<laughs> but you don't realise until you come off it, you come away from it, you go, I need I needed that rest, I needed that break. A little know? reset button. Just to reset, just to go, you know, like winning games becomes everything. You know what it's like. Yeah. It, and when you lose a game, it's like you you feel like somebody's died. It's like the worst feeling ever, and it's like, oh my god, like and it's like the roller coaster of winning and losing, the pressure of winning games and developing. I think you just need now and again to have that little reset, and I feel like that this reset has done me the world of good, you know. And I'm, I'm getting ready to go. Again. Looking forward to getting back involved. Yeah, and I think it's you know it's football. It, it, Eventually, I was going to come out. I was going to be out of work. You yeah. know, that's just the way it is, and that is just football. And I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm good with it. Um, but I also need to need to learn from it. You know, what did I do? What wasn't I? Did I not do well? You know, what could I have done better? And you do that through talking, like gaming relationship with the goalkeepers. I can ring them now and say, look, what, what do you think? What, what what could we have done better? Yeah. You know, like. Um, Emmy Martinez is honest enough, like to talk to me and go, I think we maybe could have done this more or that more, or I don't know, like, and we would have done that during the, during my time there anyway. Yeah, you know, it's so easier to reflect when you're out of there. It's easier to reflect and go, I think maybe, no, I could have done this a little bit better or that a little bit better. I've seen you do a lot of media work as well. Is that something that you'd like to explore that opportunity? Yeah, it's another new thing for me, really. You know, I've not ever, ever done it before, you know, I'm... I'm I've been lower league for a long amount of time. I've not been one of these Premier League goalies that's played, you know, highest level and and done all this TV work. But I really actually enjoy it. I actually enjoy, and it's, there's not many ex goalies out there or goalie coaches that that do anything any no. kind of the media work. There should be it. someone in the studio that is a specialised goalkeeper or specialised yeah, in that so. position that can, that can break down why we do certain yeah. traits. I remember Emmy conceding that. Uh, Arsenal away and there was two goals everybody's going oh you know and then the, the pundits have nailed him he should have done better with this and better than that the first one took a deflection he's transferred his body weight quite well you know and got a block on it but it's come back into play but the actual way he transferred his body was, was actually very very Spot good on. you know like held his shape for a long period of time it was just the deflection the last minute that's killed him oh yeah but he's parried it into a bad position you know it's like one of them and then the second goal has gone in Ball to the far post. I think Matty Cash should have stayed tight on his man, but he's dropped on the line. But not only he hasn't blocked his man or got tight enough to his man, as the ball's then coming across, he's thought, oh, I need to go and affect that. And run straight down the line of Emmy. Emmy's then lost sight of it, and the guy's volleying. You know when like, you lose sight of it, you get, you get a bit like erratic. Yeah. So he's been erratic through the fact, the fact he couldn't see the ball. You know, And lots of these little things. These so things many down, variables. Every guy, why is he like, the ball's got him in no pace. He's flapping his arms around. You like there's always something, yeah. you know, behind these, behind these goals where you go, yeah, okay, totally agree. He should have been more relaxed. He could have seen it a little. Um, he'd have seen it better if he, you know, was a bit more relaxed. But but because of this, 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 and this, these are reasons why he's actually become more erratic. Um, and I think it needs that, you know, that detail. And it's totally not agree. because sometimes you will go right. That's not that's not really good yeah. enough, you know. That he needs to do this, this. In my opinion, but there's also a lot of goals that go in and you go. Because yeah, like the level of detail that you get at the moment on all the all, all the commentary shows is goalies should have done better, but it's, it's not their fault. Is no. it? It's not their fault because they don't know it, so it's not their fault. You know, it's just that they're, they're trying to talk about the only bit of knowledge they actually have on that position. But goalkeeping is a sport within a sport; it's yeah. its own definite sport. So they've not ever been involved in that. They might think they have a bit of knowledge about it don't really know enough about it to make those kind of comments and that's one of the things that I always say we're an individual in a team sport we're exactly part of the right. team but we are not in the team completely different it's so different completely different and that's when I know a lot of clubs and I think Villa started to do it were, uh, we're talking about you know a defensive coach a midfield coach a strikers coach I think that works quite well the unit work now that a lot of these Premier League teams are going into I think is the way forward you know, like the, the actual detail, you're creating patterns and you talk about neurological patterns if you work in those details every single day and you get those daily vitamins, you get those patterns in, they're only going to improve when they come to, together as a group. You know, and I think that's where you need a specific, like we had John Terry, uh, a fellow who was like phenomenal, like to have his experience and knowledge yeah. and his personality around the group was was unbelievable. Um had a great, like, an unbelievable reason why we got promoted from the Championship to the Premier League was, you know, we kept clean sheets. Um, a lot of it was down to his knowledge. That's amazing. Obviously, we, that's all we strive for is a clean sheet, is a goal, and a quiet goal. Probably a bit too much. Yeah. Like, Emmy's the worst ever, like, ever. He keeps it, if he, if he lets in a goal, like, 
and that's what I'm talking about with knowing the person. So he's either hitting the scene or, or he's like, oh, you know, he's buzzing about winning the game. It's brilliant. You have to bring him down a little bit. But when he concedes a goal, he's like, oh, God, I've got to save it. Even if it's like top corner from a yard, it's like, I've got to save it. What can I do? You know, I've got to lose weight. I've got to be able to get to that. I've got to do this and that. You've got to bring him down, break it down and go, no, it's gone in because of this, this, this. If we just change it and maybe change that slightly, but you can do better with every single goal that goes in. Yeah, every and single one. That is the thing with... There's always something that yeah. we could have done in hindsight to save every, every shot. Exactly right. And that's why when we're talking about kids and educating kids, it's like you've got to make sure you're not too like affected by goals that hit the back of the net. You know, work on being consistent, work on, you know, the details that's needed in order to be consistent. You cannot beat yourself up for a goal that hits the back of the net because the next one's coming quick and you've got to make sure that you know you're not you're not too um, desperate to keep like, like too desperate. It's like, do everything it takes, but it's like, there's always something you can do better. Yeah, there is always something you can do better. Right, I hope you get back in work pretty soon. Uh, I'm looking forward to Things seeing what you do with the next big goalkeeper that you're going to develop. But uh, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today on the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard, and producer Ben. Uh, it's been a great episode, and thank you for all your detail and insight. Cut. It's been really good, really enjoyable to learn from. Uh, please hit the subscribe button uh, and give us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, as I said, it's been an honour, mate. Thank you very much. Yes, All the best, guys. Take care. What a save from Mark Howard. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.